Thank you for downloading the One Church Podsmead podcast. This message was recorded live at one of our services. To find out more about life at One Church, visit us online at thisisonechurch.com. Um, I have the terrific privilege of working for church. And uh, so that is just an amazing joy. It really, really is a privilege to work within the church. And, uh, but, but sometimes, like, I'm just going to be honest, um, sometimes I can get so caught up in how the, um, the mechanisms of church work, or maybe how they don't work, that actually I get caught up in that and I miss the wonder of church. So I can, I can kind of like wander on into church and I can just say, oh, the blinds aren't all the way down or oh, another chair's failed on us or whatever it is, whatever it is, whatever it's like, the, the car park, the way they said hello didn't kind of like gravitate with me, it didn't really like work or something. I get so caught up in those things that I actually miss the wonder of church. And um, so just a few, um, about two weeks ago or so, myself um, and Nick, we were just, I was pondering this with Nick and I said, oh, I'm trying to write something. So we kind of put together this, uh, kind of like a, a poem that doesn't rhyme. But, um, but, but this is kind of like what my heart is about church. So, so when I kind of like step back and like the Wizard of Oz, sometimes behind the curtain, step away from the machine and just think, wow, what is church all about? And, and this is what I just kind of put together. So the church is heaven's trophy cabinet here on earth. It's displaying victory after victory of God's incomprehensible strategy of grace. We are full of living celebrations and declarations of God's enduring and endeavouring love. When you look along the row alongside you, you are seeing living, breathing strategies of God. You are seeing God's handiwork. You are seeing his poetry in motion in people's lives. The church is the alive and breathing highlighter pen of heaven. So that when you have a problem or, or and nothing else can help, I'm going to go into the A-team almost, um, and, and you're trying to think, what, what is it that I need? You can look along the rows and you will see what, what God has done in other people's lives. Yeah. Like you think about Ian and Rachel and, and their ladder and the story that comes from that. There is this amazing highlighter of heaven that God is speaking through that situation saying, in the, in the impossible, I move. I, I still do the miraculous today. So we are surrounded by God's highlighter pen, drawing our focus to God's faithfulness and goodness. So when his enemy attempts and even succeeds to steal, kill and destroy our hope or faith, we can look around us and see living expressions exuding example after example of how God either has come through or perhaps more miraculously that when it appears that he hasn't and yet we have come through battered and blooded and yet more than conquerors. Then we can look and say, wow, what a great God we have. And the strategy of the church is amazing. We are the gathering of God's sons, personally chosen ambassadors. And look along the row and next to you, five away from you, is somebody Jesus has specifically chosen to be one of his ambassadors. Like we have a prime minister at the moment and we have prime ministers and we have leaders of whom we elect and we choose. And it's never going to be like 100%. Yes, we want this person. We want that person. But when you look along the row and you see one of the ambassadors of Christ, it is a 100% vote of heaven saying, yes, we want them. And then when you look in the mirror, you see somebody of whom is a personally chosen ambassador of Christ. Jesus picked you, chosen you, 
set you apart and said, I've got my hand on you. That's what the church is all about. We come together for our mutual encouragement, our strengthening, impartation, calling and sending. We are sent out as living proof that Jesus is at large. He's alive and living and at work in our lives and in other people's lives, bringing together the, the divine family plan that has been in motion since before the foundation of this planet. The church of Jesus Christ is all about Jesus. It's been called out by him. We've been born again in him. We are cleaned by him and we are being cleaned up by him again and again, day by day, each and every day. Jesus sends us. He partners with us. He empowers us and we do our exploits through him and we have our peace in him. The mission and the purpose of church is so big, it's so grand, that in comparison, Brexit would be like a speck of sand in comparison to the sun. The mission of the church is awesome. It is utterly cosmic, and yet it is so intimate, it is carried by his spirit in your heart. That's the church of Jesus Christ. That's what we are. That's who we are. We may have 50 in a room, but there's like billions around this planet of whom have been picked out and chosen by Jesus Christ. And his mission and his purpose for each of us is so much bigger than what we could ever dream and imagine. And yet it is for our every day, in our every moment. That the purpose of God is that we are not to be kind of cul-de-sacs of his grace, but we are to be conduits of it. So we are to pour out his grace. We are to reveal more and more what he has done in us to other people. There's this beautiful pattern within scripture called almost like the journey of revelation. And what it means is like when one person gets it from God, they are, they are mandated by God. They, they have to pass it on. We read it over and over again within scripture it says, as I have received from the Lord, I give unto you. As you've received from Jesus, as we are together in the church, the mission for us is to pass that on. And what we're going to look at this morning is one of those very specific ministries, and it's called the Ministry of Reconciliation. We are the reconciled, and we have been given the charge, the challenge, the command to be reconcilers. So we're going to explore into that. So um, it's going to be on screen, but if you've got your Bible with you, we're going to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Um, we're going to read from verse 16 and we're going to read through into chapter 6 and up to and including verse 2. So 2 Corinthians 5, 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way. We do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's co-workers, incredible, as God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favour I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favour. Now is the day of salvation. We're going to pray and then we're going to like dive right in.
Jesus, we thank you that you are building your church. We thank you that you have done incredible things in every single life that's here. Thank you that your faithfulness is here. Absolutely, totally committed this day as of any other time. Be it when you're on the cross to this time now, your faithfulness is absolutely total to us. Your passion towards us, your compassion for us, your love for us is just as it was then. And God, we are blown away by that. Father, we are blown away by how you have done that. And Jesus, we pray now that as we sit under your word, I pray that my words might disappear, but that it will be your words that remain, that your words from heaven are charged in our hearts. God, might we be challenged and changed today, that we leave differently in your wonderful name, Jesus. Amen. amen. And amen. Okay, so with the church and our ministry of reconciliation. Um, within our house, uh, we have me and Nick, and then we have four little ones. Okay, so um, I'm just going to show you a little picture on screen. And uh, so this is the, the four kids. And um, as when, when you look at them, like butter really wouldn't melt in their mouths, would they? When you look at that? I can tell you that 99.5% of the time, that's not true. <laughs> Like, like butter does melt in their mouths, okay, I'm just telling you. And, uh, and so we'll just go to the next little photo, which is, this is like almost like a day in our house. So you've got Summer with her cousin re reading a book in Costa somewhere, just, just looking idyllic. And then below you've got Theo elbow dropping Elijah <laughs> on his eye. It's just, that's what happens in our household. So we just have this whole range. And, and actually within our house, reconciliation is something which we are constantly at work at. Right, reconciliation, to define it, is to, is to bring about friendly relations again. To reinstate friendly relations between two people or two parties. And within our household, we have this constantly. Just always. And, and what I've noticed with reconciliation is like, uh, the older they get, the harder it is. Like, like Jude down here, if, if we hear something going on, so something just doesn't quite work with the kids, and he'll throw a car at one of them or something, and, uh, and they'll go like, Jude! And he'll go, sorry, sorry, you're my best friend. And you just want to play again. That's literally it. Whereas when they get older, like they know their rights. They, they understand justice. That's just me and Nick. But, but, but like, it's like they, they want punishment. If they've been wronged, they will pursue punishment on the other party. It's like, it's not fair. I would be banned if that was me. I would be sent to my room if that was me. And it's like, well, we're just going to work at this. And yet when they're the ones that do the wrong, they want clemency. It's like they want absolute grace. Oh, it was just, I, I didn't even think about it. Even this morning with one of the doors at the back, like Elijah bangs Theo's head in the door. And then goes, oh, it was just an accident. It's like, yeah, he was leaning forward and you've shut it on impact three times. <laughs> the first time might have been an accident. But there's this whole journey of reconciliation. And what I've noticed is, as adults, we're exactly the same. And let's go further. Like, in our walk with God, we are just as childish. We allow a, a, something to separate us. And we don't go back. We might like fulfill our role as whatever it is that we serve in the life of church, but there's no kind of like devotion in our heart. And then maybe we'll come into church or, or we'll commit some aspect of worship and, and we're almost putting on the doggy eyes in our worship. God, I'm sorry. And there's not this desire for reconciliation with God. 
When I first became a Christian, I was 18, and there were um, several people in the life of the church, but two epic uh, older ladies in the life of church, one called Betty Hickman and the other one called Irene Hall that people even here, I can see by their faces, have very fond memories of. And, um, and I can remember Irene Hall particularly used to say this line to me, keep short accounts with God. Keep short accounts with God. And at first, when she first said it to me, I was like thinking, what the heck's that mean? <laughs> like, what is this mystical art of which this oracle is sharing with me? And basically, she was just saying, be like Jude with God. As soon as you feel any separation, go, God, I'm sorry. Like, I, I need you to be my best friend. I need to be that close with you that I can't allow anything to be separating me. I need to get back into scripture and asking God, how, how is this at work in me? How is this challenging me? What am I seeing from here as an example to follow, but also that where it's revealing my own folly that I need to change? And God, I give you my life afresh. The amazing thing and as a parent, I think, like, this is a journey which is all the more poignant in this. It's like reconciliation, to be the reconciler, is, is really quite patronizing. Because I, I'm having this conversation again. I'm having this conversation again. So I'm sat down next to one of them and just saying, why are we having this conversation again? Daddy, I wanted you. Okay. So why have I got a hole in my wall? Because uh, I wanted you and you were in the shower. So being in the shower meant I couldn't come to you though, didn't it? Yes, daddy. So why have I got a hole in my wall? Well, you've come now, daddy, and you're sat next to me. It's like, yes, I, I kind of see now that I'm seven times your age, but you've outmaneuvered me in this conversation completely. <laughs> and I really don't want to be here in this conversation, but I'm, I'm desperate to bring this reconciliation. And here's just some of the most amazing words in all of scripture. Six words in verse 17. God, who reconciled us to himself. Can you imagine the, the all-surpassing greatness of God? Who holds the heaven and the earth in his hands. He comes down and he sits next to us. And just says, hey, let's be reconciled. And not just going to a conversation, but going to the cross to say, let's be reconciled. And then even to like emphasize it, we've read it there, like he's pleading with us, be reconciled to me. This morning, if there is any distance between you and God, be reconciled today. Because that's where you will thrive you just merely survive where there's distance. But where there's reconciliation with God, you will thrive in all that God has got for you. You will thrive in life and in purpose. You will thrive in your relationships. You will thrive in your drive. Because God has got great gifts for you. And he wants to be close to you. Like, there's this little passage within scripture. And, uh, and, and I find it really challenging. And it just says, like, if you can't even keep up with the footman, how do you think you're going to keep up with the horseman? 
And sometimes it's just this random little verse, and, and it's like, God, I, I want to be changing the world for you. And yet actually the, the conversation of reconciliation I can find really difficult. And yet God's word to us afresh this morning is, hey, don't get ahead of yourself. Come back to this place constantly of saying, God, I want to be reconciled with you. And then we'll live out this verse, God who reconciles us to himself. Because religion tries to turn it around all too often, and so do we. We try to make it that I'll reconcile myself with God. Look what I can do. Look what I can give. But actually, God reconciles us to himself. He's the one who comes down and comes close. So let's keep short accounts with God. Um, one of the other aspects with this is about being reconciled to one another. And that Jesus hits this pretty much in one of his first preaches. So if you just turn to, in fact, it'll be on the screen, Matthew 5, 23 and 24. And just as this, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Just, just to say something really clearly, Jesus isn't putting reconciliation above worship but he is placing it before worship. And the altar has this all like massively symbolic aspect within scripture. I think it's about 200 odd times within the whole of scripture. And it's a place where people meet with God. Fundamentally, the altar is where somebody would meet with God. And within the New Testament, 20 odd times where people are meeting face to face with God or, or coming into his presence. And he says, you find yourself in that place and you recall there's this problem, go get it right. Because what Jesus is absolutely pushing on is like a, a holistic, a all-inclusive life of worship. Not just this part or that part, not just the Sunday morning, not just the way that I do my devotions, not just the way that I kind of give or I do my tithes, but actually all of my life is this holistic offering for God. So I'm not just generous in how I do my tithes, I'm generous in how I do my life. So I'm not just actually worshipping in how I am lifting my hands in response to the worship leader, but I'm worshipping in how I drive my car. I'm worshipping in how I fill out my expenses as well as how I fill out my standing orders. Because my whole life is this aspect of worship to him. And actually, if there's areas where we need to get resolved, we need to get those reconciled. Because Jesus says, this is before worship. Get this reconciled. Otherwise, like really, you're just giving the enemy that opportunity to whisper at you whilst you're in that place of worship. How, how can you be lifting your hands when this, when you said that, when you've done this? And actually, by bringing those things together, what we're doing is we are allowing this holistic life of worship to bleed into every area of our life. Otherwise, we're just compartmentalizing it. We're saying, this is God's and this is mine. This is for him. This isn't. And, and actually, by um, incidence, we've, we've done that a little bit with our kids. We, we've noticed that they compartmentalize their life. So uh, one of them particularly, of whom will hear me do her impression. And um, so um, if, if there's been a massive falling out, we send them to their room. And if it's at the end of the day, then we don't pray with them. And like summer particularly finds this difficult. 
So she will be sent to her room, like the door slam, the whole building shake. She kind of thuds, she stamps her foot. I mean, she almost gives herself a black eye by how high her knee comes up before she slams her foot down. And, um, but what she's, <laughs> she's going to room and there's no reconciliation. There's no kind of like, so I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Anything about that at all. She is just on one. And then also, and we'll be sat down and we're watching whatever it is we're watching, the news or University Challenge or whatever it is that we might be watching. Just throw that out there to make you kind of think, oh, fair play. And, uh, <clears throat> and anyway, so, so she'll come on in and she'll go like this. Why is nobody praying with me? <laughs> Absolutely. You, you've, you've been there. <laughs> and um, so what it is, is she's compartmentalized her life. She's not realizing that all of her life is an expression of worship, not just the praying together. And we do that so often. I see that in myself. I do that so often. I've compartmentalized my life. And so, so long as I'm like in the good place or I'm, I'm in church on the second row, whatever it is that I'm doing on the Sunday, everything else can just be run under the carpet. But actually, my whole life is this offering to God. And that's what Jesus is constantly asking for. Hey, I want your life. Not just your words. Not just your devotion on Sundays. I want your whole life. I, I don't just want your life to have sacred in general. Your life is sacred because you're my ambassador. You are personally chosen to be my ambassador. So every kind of time when you are out there, that identity is on you. That identity is on you to be his ambassador, to thrive, be it in your school, in your uni, in your home, in your marriage, in your whatever exploits it is that's ahead of you. God wants you to thrive in those, not just to survive, because all of them are an aspect of our worship to him. So we need to be reconciled one to another. And, and actually, we've got that word of reconciliation. We know what it means because we have been reconciled. So we are able to pass it on. Otherwise, we just become a cul-de-sac of it. But we are to be this conduit. We are to share it out. Yeah. Hey, there is a way to be reconciled. I've been reconciled with God, so you can be reconciled with this person. And actually, that I think reconciliation is this huge aspect of humility. And, and when I've gone to people to say, hey, look, I'm really sorry about this, the way that I responded in that thing, the, the doors that it's opened... Maybe like if it's with another Christian for encouragement into their world or if it's for a non-Christian, like the conversations afterwards, like in the workplace. I, I've never had anybody do that to me. When I left one of my, one of my jobs, um, the MD came down, a guy called Gary Shepherd, and he just said, I've never known anybody so magnanimous as you who will just come forward and say, I've got this wrong. I'm really sorry. Can we go forward and put that right? And it's always stuck with us. And actually, it created a great opportunity to speak into his life. Like, he didn't kind of like fall to need and, and plead with me, what must I do to be saved? But, but it was this whole kind of opportunity of this journey. And I have no idea what other conversations, what other Christians were in his world. But God sees and God looks after. And by having a desire to reconcile and outworking that ministry, actually God's at work and honoring that reconcile to purpose so if we compartmentalize we'll always keep these things apart from one another but actually God has got a purpose for you like we talked about like you are an ambassador so there is this purpose on your life and if we keep them separate then we'll never really thrive in our purpose I was talking to Nick's dad the other day and we were talking about his job and um, like he does this really 
interesting job for BT. By the right smile, you can tell that interesting for him may not necessarily be interesting for me. And, um, but like, he really loves it. He really, really loves his job. And I said, oh, that's, that's really good. I think that's because you, you've aligned that with purpose. He said, oh, no, no, I just think it's a real dream. And I said, oh, no, but what's interesting is you're talking about how you're sat next to other people doing exactly the same thing, and they hate every moment of it. So what's the difference? And it's like, actually, yeah, yeah, I see. I've kind of like, I've reconciled myself to purpose. Now, that is, he's there as a witness. But also, it's not just there as an opportunity to up his standard of living. It's an opportunity or God's provision for him to up his standard of giving. So he's able to be more generous because this job. So he's linked it. He's connected it to a bigger picture of which is purpose. He's reconciled himself to his purpose and to what God's got for him. There's um, a, a parable that Jesus shares, which is called the, the uh, rich fool. And uh, basically, he kind of like, he has a really successful uh, harvest. He says, right, I'm going to build bigger barns. I'm going to enjoy my retirement. I'm going to like, life is good. And, and the spirit of God comes to him and says, you fool, your life, your soul is demanded of you this night. And I think Jesus is doing a little bit of a wink, wink, nudge, nudge towards a story in the Old Testament, 1 Samuel 25, a guy called Nabal. And the name Nabal actually means fool. And he's a really wealthy guy. And David comes to him and just says, oh, we've been looking after your, uh, your shepherds and everything's all been good. And uh, it's feast day. Can we share something so that we can celebrate as our aspect of worship? And Nabal kind of says, who the heck is David? Like, why should I give what I've earned, what I've worked for, what I've slogged for, to, for that purpose? And actually what happens is his wife, Abigail, it says that she's a beautiful and discerning lady and she hears it and she, she, she basically gets in front of David before he's like marching up with his men to end Nabal. And she goes, I'm really sorry. Here you go. Here's all these gifts. And she sees purpose. In, in fact, in her word, in the conversation that she speaks, you can see she is perceiving purpose in what God is doing in that situation. Even though, like, you could understand what Nabal's thinking. Like, hold on, I've really worked hard for this stuff. But she sees a bigger purpose behind it. She sees that actually the harvest that they have is an opportunity to give and an opportunity to look after these guys. And actually, she sees the purpose of God on David. And so by her intervention, she aligns herself with purpose. Nabal, she goes back to see him, and uh, he's well drunk having his party. So she doesn't tell him at that point. And uh, the Bible just says, like, when the wine had left him, great little phrase when the wine had left him she then tells him and it says in that moment his heart died and a week later he died it says like he actually turned to stone so he just lost all purpose or suddenly the revelation of how he was just surviving and not thriving that he was just fulfilling life and not reconciled with purpose and I want to be someone whose heart is alive with the purpose yeah. of God. I want what I do being reconciled together with it, which is easy to do. And in, in you, you think when you work for church to reconcile those two things together. But actually, that's why I started with that, that thing is because sometimes even in that place, you get caught out. Even in that place, you can start to look this way or that way and just say, oh, man, this is nonsense. Why is this going like that? Why is that not happening? Da, 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 da. And it's because you're stepping out of reconciling your purpose with what God's got for us. And we're compartmentalizing aspects of our life. But God is here.
And God has spoken by his word to say, hey, I have given you reconciliation. And so therefore I am challenging you, I am mandating you, I am charging you with this purpose to bring reconciliation to others. So we're going to pray, and I'm just going to ask three questions, really. And uh, everybody's eyes will be closed, so you can respond, and we'll pray for that. But the first question is, like, are you keeping short accounts with God? Or is there distance between you and Him? You've done the church thing this morning and, and, and felt like, actually, I've carried it off really well. But actually, there's a distance there. There's not a short account. Or, or maybe you're a thousand miles away and never really ventured towards Him. Well, now's the time, even like as the scripture says, you know, God's making his appeal to you through us, through what you've heard and seen this morning. So that'll be the first question. The second question is, are, is there somebody that you need to be reconciled with? And I'm going to pray very specifically that God will give you the wisdom in how to go and put things right. And remember, you're not challenged with the outcome. You are tasked with going to offer reconciliation. Okay, and pray that God's grace will be on that setting. But even if it doesn't mend itself, you have fulfilled your challenge, your mandate. And then thirdly, this prayer for reconciling ourselves with our purpose. Because God has got great things for us. And we need to make sure that actually we've not compartmentalized up our life and separated it all out. But actually know that in everything that I'm doing, I am fulfilling the mandate of God on my life. Okay? Right, let's pray. Everybody's eyes closed. Just in this moment, think about the psalmist when he says, Lord, search my heart. That's the prayer. God, will you search my heart? If there is any distance between me and you, God, thank you that you come close to me. So if that is you, I want to, I'd love to pray with you. We'll pray for you. So if you just raise a hand so I can see and then I know that I'm praying for someone. That's fantastic. That's terrific. Thank you very much. I see those. Can I, just to speak to those people, you're not on your own. There's more than one. And one of the strategies of the enemy is isolation. And I want you to know you're not on your own. God is speaking to many Okay, if, if you're here this morning and, and the Spirit of God is just bringing to your remembrance or to your mind where there is an unresolved issue with somebody, if that is you, if you want to just raise your hand, just so I know. Yeah, I see that. That's fantastic. Thank you for your humility on that. Okay, we're going to pray for that. And then finally, if you, when you think about your life, and your purpose, it feels so separated from just the presence of God. I want to pray for you that, that God causes that reconciliation of purpose. So if, if that's you, if you want to raise your hand as well. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for your humility there. Like, right. Jesus, thank you that you are building your church and that the church is the only organization on this planet that the gates of hell will not prevail against and so god we give our lives to you afresh for those that have responded to be reconciled to you god we thank you that you don't wait for all these hoops to be jumped through 
but that you come close to us. And even by just their response is from your initiating that you desire closeness with them. So God, will you bless those people this morning? God, thank you. We pray that today will be like a new dawn for them. They will step into a new freshness, a new peace in you. Father, for those of whom um, could, wait by your spirit, you've just brought to their remembrance something that needs to be resolved with somebody. Holy Spirit, you've said to us in your word that where we lack wisdom, we can ask for it and you give liberally. God, we're asking for liberal grace and wisdom to be upon these people. That God, as they go and address, as they go and open this conversation, Father, will you give great result? May it be a celebratory conversation when it's closed. And Father, for those of whom are just asking for you to kind of bring purpose, like more light within them. Father, we thank you that you love it when we step into your plan and into your purpose. And God, thank you for that humility that people show by just saying, yeah, I feel a separation to that. God, we pray that there will be a birthing, a, a joining of life with purpose in the divine plan that you've got. Father, I pray that like Paul says, that, um, uh, that I am determined to take hold of that for which Christ has taken hold of me. God, I pray that they will know what it is that you have taken hold of them for. In Jesus' wonderful name, you are good. Amen. And amen. Great.